It's great to be with you today. I'm Pastor Brian, and if we've never met, I sure would love to meet you. Uh, Today we're going to talk about getting off the sidelines. Our text for today is Mark chapter 10, verses 46 to 52. So if you have your Bible or your Bible app, why don't you turn with me there now, and I want to start by just reading that whole passage of Scripture, then we're going to pray again, and then we're going to unpack it together. We're going to see what God has to say. We've been, I don't know if you've noticed, but we've been in the, in chapter 10 for a long time. It's, it's this, I think our fourth week in chapter 10, maybe even our fifth week. It's a long chapter and there's just been so much, so much good stuff in this passage and today is no exception. So can I ask you to stand with me one more time? We're going to stand for the reading of God's word. Mark chapter 10, starting in verse 46. Then they reached Jericho, and as Jesus and his disciples left town, a large crowd followed him. A blind beggar named Bartimaeus, son of Timaeus, was sitting beside the road. When Bartimaeus heard that Jesus of Nazareth was nearby, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Be quiet, many of the people yelled at him, but he only shouted louder, son of David, have mercy on me. When Jesus heard him, he stopped and said, tell him to come here. So they called the blind man. Cheer up, they said. Come on, he's calling you. Bartimaeus threw aside his coat, jumped up, and came to Jesus. What do you want me to do for you, Jesus asked. My rabbi, the blind man said, I want to see. And Jesus said to him, go, for your faith has healed you. And instantly the man could see, and he followed Jesus down the road. Would you pray with me one more time? God, I pray that you would open up our hearts, that you'd open up our eyes spiritually to see just what you want us to see in this text of scripture. God, we thank you for your word. It is so rich. It is so true. Every week, God, as we open it up, we learn something new to apply to our lives. And God, I pray that as we study this passage, that the same thing would happen today. God, that you would apply it to our lives. God, that today's message would be more than information, but that it would lead to transformation. I pray in particular for the person who's here today, who's on the sidelines, who feels like they're on the side of the road, and they need to get in the game. It's time, maybe today, for them to follow you. And God, I pray, Lord Jesus, that you would speak to that person And God, the message that you spoke to Bartimaeus 2,000 years ago would be the message that you speak to us today. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Here's my question I want to start with for today. What's keeping you on the sidelines? You know, we had, I mean, spoiler alert, here's where we're going today. We've got this story of this guy, this blind guy named Bart. And Bart starts out the story on the side of the road. But I don't know if you noticed where he ends the story, following Jesus. So he, the beginning of the story in verse 46, he's on the side of the road. By the end of the story, verse 52, he's following Jesus, he's on the road. And that's really just the picture I want us to have today. I want you to think about today. Where are you on the sidelines some of you maybe are here today and you would say, that's, that's a fitting, that's a, 
a fitting analogy for me. That's a good metaphor for me right now. I kind of feel like I've been sidelined. I kind of feel like in a pursuit of God, you know, 22 years ago I said our mission was to help people pursue God. Honestly, I had no idea. I had no idea the ups and downs of that journey over these 22 years. I had no idea who would still be following, who would still be pursuing God, and who wouldn't. If, if you would have given me 10 names and say, tell me which of these guys are still gonna be pursuing God 22 years later, I would have probably been wrong on most of them. I can't tell you how many people started off pursuing God. They love Jesus, they get involved. I mean, they get so excited about Jesus and then a couple weeks later, a couple years later, a couple decades later, like where are they? They've, they've, they've left Jesus. They were walking down the road with Jesus but they've left Jesus and for whatever reason, for whatever reason, their faith is sidelined. You know, for some people, your faith gets sidelined because, well, like we saw, I think it was last week about your expectations, is that, that your expectations for following Jesus didn't get met. Like, you thought that following Jesus would mean that, you get, that you're going to be rich. You know, maybe you buy into those prosperity gospels on TV, you know, the ones with the hair, and they're preaching the message, and... Like, maybe that, maybe that was your, like, I thought that following Jesus was going to make me, make me rich. That if I follow Jesus, he's going to give me health and wealth. But I'm not wealthy. These other guys are. These other people have all this success. But what about me? So, so many people follow Jesus because they have the wrong expectations. As we learned last week, Jesus' promise was suffering. He never actually promised health and wealth. By the way, if you're wealthy... It is from him. It is from him. But he doesn't promise that to anybody. He doesn't owe that to anybody. Followers of Jesus, if that's why you're following Jesus, because, because of what's in it for you, I think that a lot of times those are the people who get sidelined. Because life doesn't turn out the way they expect it to. Or maybe, maybe your faith is sidelined because, because you've been disappointed in God. You know, you, you, your family battled that, that illness and you lost the battle. And so you get disappointed. It's so easy. I, I remember years ago, early on, Alpine was, was one campus still. Early on in Alpine's history, many of you know this story, but I, I, the doc, I had this lump on my back and the doctor said, hey, it's, we're so sorry, it's cancer. And he, they said it was eating away at my at, at my skeletal structure, that's not good news. <laughs> so for three weeks, that's the news that I had. I, I'm okay, by the way. It turned out okay. You guys, some of you look really concerned. I just want you to know this story's fine. The story ends. Turns out it wasn't cancer at all. The doctors misdiagnosed it, which, which for me was a gift because it really helped me to see early on in ministry. It helped me to experience as close to that as I could possibly experience it without actually experiencing it. I remember being at the, up at the Huntsman Cancer Institute with, with Tracy, my wife, and, and looking, out, looking out onto, you know, out at, standing there at the window on the second or third floor, I don't remember which one, and just looking out the window and seeing all the hustle and bustle of the city and just thinking, why don't we get to be in the hustle and bustle of the city? Why are we up here? And, I, you know, for a lot of people, that kind of experience sidelines them because... Because they say, they say, God, I'm mad at you now because, 
because I'm sick and you didn't heal me. And by God's grace, Tracy and I didn't have that response. By God's grace, we stood up there and we said, who else do we have? Where else would we turn? And and for us, we leaned in more to our faith. We leaned in more to Jesus. We said, we just need to know you. We want to know you. And if this is your will, then so be it. And, and, And it was God's will that everything would be okay in that season of our lives. But in 20 years, we've just seen so many families have to go through the real thing. And it didn't turn out okay for them. And so their faith gets sidelined. So many people start off in a pursuit of God and then they, for one reason or the other, they get out of the game. And look, I, don't, I, don't, I really don't want to be insensitive here. I, I recognize that there are, there are hard things that happen in life, in our journey with God. And we are not, we are not promised gumdrops and lollipops. And so if you've been through an illness, a divorce, relationship issues, if you have teenagers, if any of these tragedies have happened to you, just kidding about the teenagers. We love our teenagers. Like I want want you to know that you can continue to pursue God in the midst of all that stuff. And and this is really the message that we're gonna see in our story today. So let's go to the text. Verse 46 to 48 says they reached Jericho. So this is Jesus and his disciples. Remember, they set out last week. They set out, and Jesus was like focused and determined. And he, it's like he set his face like a, like a flint toward Jerusalem. He was on his way. He knew what he was heading toward. His disciples didn't totally know it, but he knew. It says a large crowd followed him. And a blind beggar named Bartimaeus. Bartimaeus literally means son of Timaeus. He was sitting beside the road. Now, we know what sidelined Bartimaeus. It wasn't a divorce. It wasn't a teenager. It wasn't a better job offer. What sidelined Bartimaeus was blindness. Now, blindness in in Jesus' day was basically a death sentence. I mean, this literally was all Bartimaeus could do. The only thing a blind person could do 2,000 years ago was beg. Today, society, but not in Jesus' day like that, has opportunity in, in our culture, in our society, but not in Jesus' day. And so Bartimaeus was desperate and sidelined because of his blindness. But it says, when Bartimaeus heard that Jesus of Nazareth was nearby, he began to shout. And here's what he shout, shouted. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And I think it's really interesting that Mark includes the crowd in the story. By the way, we've been studying the gospel of Mark since the beginning of the year, and you've noticed the shortest of the four gospels, Mark only includes information that he thinks is pertinent. He doesn't add all this other extraneous information. So whenever it's there, we should really think about why is it there. We're going to be doing that for the next 20 minutes. But look at what it's, he says, son of David, have mercy on me. And the crowd yells at him to quiet down. But he only shouted louder, son of David, have mercy on me. Bartimaeus was 
probably accustomed to being shut down by the crowd. He was a nobody. He was a nothing. So the crowd represents the world. And the world really today, isn't the world just trying to shut us up? Isn't the world just trying to keep us from pursuing God? Isn't the world trying to keep us from seeing Jesus? But if you're here today and you feel sidelined and you feel desperate enough, then you understand desperate people don't care about the crowd. Desperate people are focused on something different. And I love that that he only shouts louder and he says, son of David, have mercy on me. And a couple names here I want you to see. First of all, he calls Jesus the son of David. He calls him Bar David. Remember, his name's Bar Timaeus, son of Timaeus. So he's yelling out, Bar David, son of David. Son of David was a, was a messianic term. So what, the reason Mark includes this is he wants us to know that Bartimaeus was a Jewish guy that understood that Jesus was the Messiah. That's why he called him son of David. He knew who Jesus was. And so he calls out to Jesus, have mercy on me. I know who you are. Have mercy on me. More on that name in just a second. But there's another name that I think is interesting here, and it's Bartimaeus. Why did Mark include the guy? Isn't it interesting that Mark would give that detail? Why did Mark include the guy's name? He doesn't do that in most of the gospel. He rarely includes the guy's name, but he included his name. Why? Here's why. This is what I think. Have you ever walked by... Our family just visited Boston this week for our daughter's birthday. Our daughter's birth, she shares a birthday just about with Alpine. She was one year and one day old when Alpine was born. And so whenever we're celebrating Alpine's birthday, we're also celebrating Kenzie's birthday, her 23rd. So we went to Boston, and we noticed, I just noticed as I was walking around Boston, just some of the homeless people, and it would just, it would break my heart to see the homeless people And I think that's why Mark included this guy's name. Isn't it different when you walk by a homeless person and you think about the fact that that is somebody's son? That is somebody's daughter. It's so easy to be callous to that. It's so easy to just shut that side off. As we, as we rode on the metro a couple of places and some homeless people right there on the metro and it's so easy to, it's so easy to kind of want to pick a different seat. But I tried to force myself this week because I knew this story. I tried to force myself this week to think that's somebody's child. Somebody, somebody cared about that person. Somebody maybe still cares about that person. Parents, could you imagine your, your kid being out there all alone, homeless. I can't even imagine that. I, 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 I can't even bring myself there, although I did in a teaching moment when AJ, my son, was younger. He was having a bad day, and I was having a bad day with him, and so I was so frustrated. We were driving down 31st, and I whipped over to the shelter, and I pulled into the shelter, and I said, get out. He's like, What? He's like, you, I said, you keep acting like this, and this is where you're going to end up. Get out. Not my proudest father moment, by the way. <laughs> but those are people's sons and daughters there. And I think that's why Mark includes his name. This guy was somebody's son. The crowd wanted to shut him down. But look what Jesus does. When Jesus heard him, he stopped. Hold on, wait. 
Let's just stop right there. It's so easy to, to read passages like this, and you're just cruising along, you're just reading along. I, just, I want you to stop here with Jesus for a second and think about what's happening. He is focused on his mission. He is on his way to the cross. We learned last week, this, three different times, chapter 8, chapter 9, and chapter 10, he told his disciples, I'm going to Jerusalem, and then I'm going to arrive. I'm going to be beaten, I'm going to be betrayed, I'm going to be mocked, and I'm going to die. And then I'm going to rise from the dead. This was his mission. This is what Jesus had come to do. So Jesus is on a mission. He is focused on a mission. And some nobody calls out his name. And he stops. People matter to God. Bartimaeus didn't matter to the crowd. But he mattered to Jesus. Jesus stopped for Bartimaeus. There are so many times in my life where I, when I am just so, I'm a guy, so I am so one-track minded. I am so focused on the, on the task, on the mission. Anybody else? Is it just me? Raise your hand. God's watching. Thank you. <laughs> I am so focused on the task. Sometimes the task is even stupid. Sometimes it's just like we're sitting at dinner with the family and there's a TV on in the background, and it's some kind of sport. It might even be pickleball. I don't even know who's playing. I don't even fully know the rules, but if it's a sport, it's like a squirrel to a dog. It's like, squirrel, and then I'm looking. I am so, I, I have, literally, I have to sit. Whenever we go to a restaurant anymore, my wife helps me with this. I have to sit with my back to the TVs so that I don't get distracted because I'm so one-track minded. Can I get an amen? Is it just me? Okay, thank you. I love that Jesus, though he's a man, and he was fully man and fully God. I love that Jesus wasn't so one-track minded, that he didn't stop for Bartimaeus. I love that Jesus, though he had a real mission, it was so much more important than some sports on TV, Jesus had a real mission that really mattered. It really mattered. Jesus stopped, and he interacted with this blind guy. If you're here today, and, and maybe you, you kind of feel like the, your issue or your problem doesn't matter to God, I want you to hear this today. It matters to God. I want you to know that today, Jesus is stopping for you because you matter. And I love what it says Mark includes this detail also. He says that Jesus said to the crowd, tell him to come here. Isn't that interesting? Jesus could have just gone right to Bartimaeus. Most other times, that's exactly what he would have done. But Jesus is trying to engage the crowd. He wants to send them a message as well. He wants them to know that Bartimaeus matters to him. So he allows them to be a part of this miracle Tell him to come here. And so they called the blind man, cheer up. Come on, he's calling you. And Bartimaeus threw aside his coat, jumped up and came to Jesus. Isn't that interesting? Why would a blind guy throw aside his coat? Put yourself in his shoes if you were a blind guy. Would you, would you throw your coat aside? Would you just be like, take the coat and just whip it aside? No way. What if you can't get back to it? What if you can't find it? What if somebody takes it? That's a big deal. His coat's a big deal. It's one of his only possessions in life. You might think of it as just one of your 20 coats that you have. Not for this guy. 
That was a big deal to him. A blind guy would not throw aside his coat unless he knew that he'd be healed. I think this blind guy understood. I think he threw his coat aside in expectant faith and he jumped up and he came to Jesus and Jesus asked him the same question that he asked of James and John last week. What do you want me to do? Remember last week if you were here? James and John's like, they came to Jesus saying, hey, we have a favor to ask. And Jesus said literally the same words, what do you want me to do? Now their answer was stupid. They're like, we want to sit at your right and your left hand. We want some glory. Remember, Jesus was talking about suffering and they just wanted some glory. But Bartimaeus is asked the same question and his answer is so much simpler. He said, my rabbi, I want to see. And actually the word in Greek for my rabbi is rabboni, which means great rabbi. And it's only spoken twice in the entire gospels. Once from Mary, when, when Mary saw the resurrected Jesus, she said, Rabboni, my rabbi, great rabbi. And this is the only other time. He said, you are the great rabbi. He knew who Jesus was. And he said, I just want to see. With expectant faith, he uttered those words. And verse 52 finishes out the story in the chapter And Jesus said to him, go, for your faith has healed you. And instantly the man could see, and he followed Jesus down the road. What a cool story. And to me, the coolest thing isn't that a blind guy could see now. I think that's cool. I think that's really cool. But we already had one of those stories in the Gospel of Mark. If you were here with us a couple of months ago, you might remember that story. Jesus already healed a blind guy. Remember the guy? Remember he said he could, he could see it. It was a, a cool lesson that we learned. He's like, I can see people walking around, but they look like trees. And that was really a cool lesson that we learned a few months ago about, about how, how that's how, that's kind of how it works for all of us as we, as we are pursuing God is just slowly but surely we can see him just a little bit more. I mean, really, that's the lesson that the disciples are learning throughout the Gospel of Mark is as they walk with Jesus, they're, it's like he's pulling the curtain back a little bit more every day so they're seeing more and more what he has come for and what he's intending to do. But, but in this story, I don't think that the story is so much about the miracle that the guy could see. I, what I take from this is what happens to the guy by the end of the story. What I take from this is that he's sidelined at the beginning of the story because of his blindness. But by the end of the story, he's pursuing God down the road. For you, the question we asked at the beginning, and you've had some time to think about it, what's keeping you on the sidelines? Maybe that thing for you isn't blindness. It probably isn't. Maybe that thing for you is that disappointment with God. Maybe that that thing for you is, I don't know, there's a million things. There's a million excuses that we could have for not pursuing God. There's a million reasons that we can give for just bailing on God and saying, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna do my own thing. I'm just gonna try my own thing. It's too complicated. It would cost me too much if I pursue God. I just want to challenge you. I want to encourage you. 
with one more passage today. This one from Matthew, not from Mark. Another gospel. And this is Jesus speaking. And he says this, you can enter God's kingdom only through the narrow gate. The highway to hell is broad and its gate is wide for the many who choose that way. But the gateway to life is narrow and the road is difficult. And in every... 22 years ago, and in every year since then, it's just been, it's been eye-opening to see who is still pursuing God. And I, you know, 22 years ago, I think I tried to control it. I really, like, tried to control it. And I, what I've learned in 22 years is it is not in my control. It's not in my control who's going to stay on the road with Jesus and who's going to bail on him. It's not in my control. And the story's not over, by the way, for anybody. Because sometimes, sometimes people go on the sidelines for a minute and then something happens and it pulls them right back in the game. And maybe that's you today. Maybe, you're, maybe you feel like you've been sidelined, but you're here today or you're listening today because it's time to get back on the road with Jesus. And you know what? It is a narrow road. The road, the road that leads to destruction is broad, and there are a ton of people on that road. But the road to life, the kind of life that Jesus wants for us, that one is narrow, and only a few find it. Bartimaeus wasn't the only blind guy in Jericho that day, but he's the only one we know about. Because in his desperation, he called out for Jesus. And by the end of the story, he was on the road with Jesus. And today, if you're here today, and for whatever reason, if you've just been sidelined, I want to invite you to get back on the road with Jesus. He died for you. And he died. He cares about you. He died for you. He, he was going to Jerusalem to die for you. And he died so that you could have life to the full. That's what he wants to give you. Would you pray with me today? Father, I thank you for this story. Jesus, I thank you that you care enough about people to stop when you had something more important to do. The people matter to you. And I pray for the person who's in here today who feels unworthy, unloved, unreachable. Jesus, I pray that they would know that you hear them and that you stopped for them today. I pray that they would be honest with you about what they need. And then Jesus, I pray that they would get on the road with you today. Thank you, Jesus, that you went to the cross to make that possible. Thank you, Jesus, that, that we don't have to clean ourselves up to come to you, that we come to you pitiful, poor, blind, naked, naked. Lord God, we come to you in desperation like Bartimaeus did 2,000 years ago. And then when you touch us, you change us, and you make everything new for us. And I pray that that would be true today. In Jesus' name, amen.